welcome back for another episode of Women in White Coats. This week we have Virginia Venegas, who is a very longtime friend. We go back to our Vida Middle School days. We were on the cheerleading team together in Miami Sunset Senior High School. We kept in touch over the years, and Virginia went on to pursue her undergraduate degree at FIU. She is currently a dental student at Roseman University in Utah. And I invited her onto my podcast and YouTube channel because I think she has a very powerful journey and story and she just balanced everything with so much grace. And I think it speaks to what it's like to be a woman pursuing a medical career. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear about her story. Virginia um, actually became a mother while she was doing her master's program at Barry University. And she underwent the very strenuous process of getting into dental school. So I think she has a really good perspective and a lot of insight to provide. So without further ado, here's Women in White Coats by MD Tribe. Welcome back for another episode of Women in White Coats. This week we have Virginia, which I went to high school with. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Virginia Menegas. Right now I'm currently a D1 at Roseman University, so I'm in dental school. I moved to Utah for that, so I'm from Miami, Florida, and now I'm living out here on the best coast. <laughs> awesome. So we're going to go ahead and just like dive right in. So you just started dental school. How is that going? It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. Don't. It's a lot of work. Not even a lie, sugarcoat it. It's a lot of work, but it's pretty awesome. I'm very lucky and I'm in person. So I get to do my simulation. I get to go to clinic. I get to work on teeth. So that's a lot of fun. I get to see patients, which a lot of people don't have right now. Mm -hmm. The only thing is that our classes are half remote, half in person. So any class that doesn't require clinical experience, I am online. So I guess I'm with most of the population on that one. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. Loving it. That's awesome. Do you, is there a limit to how many students you guys have in person? So what they've done is really smart. They've split us up into quads. So my dental class is 103 students. So they've cut that into four quads, A, B, C, and D. And every quad has a different schedule. So for example, A will go in the morning while B is doing lecture in the morning. Or A will go to sim clinic while B is doing like fittings for loops or something. So there's never more than I want to say 11 people in the same room. Okay. Because within their quads, we're split into four teams. So they have us very isolated in the sense that like, okay, we're on space four, so we can only have 50 people in a room. Okay. So we never see everybody in our class, but they do have us like with following the precautions for COVID. Okay. What was your transition like moving from Miami to Utah? <laughs> so, um, Honestly, I had never been here in the summer, so I didn't know what it was like to experience dry heat. Mm -hmm. So the nosebleeds are real. It's really dry here. It's a nosebleeds? Yeah, nosebleeds. Like, <laughs> nosebleeds. Like, it's really dry. Like, the air you breathe in is warm, hot air. In Miami, like, it's hot, but it doesn't penetrate you the way it does here. Like, you'll be in your car here with the AC blasted, and you'll feel the rays beaming at your legs, and it just hurts. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I've never been this tan in my life. Like, I'm tan. I've never looked this dark in my life, but um, the heat's really intense, and, like, it's really different in the sense that the culture, I don't know if you know, but here it's mainly Mormons. Okay. So the culture is very different, and the people are so nice. Nice? 
Yeah, the people are wonderful here. It's super nice. Like my neighbors brought me cookies when I first moved in. That's something I never experienced in Miami. So it was like a huge cultural shock. Like all these people being so nice to you and like take care of my kid. They're like, oh, I'll take care of your kid whenever you want. You don't have family here. You're our family now. And I'm like, I don't even know you, but that's so sweet. Like it's it's completely different. The only yeah. thing that obviously isn't great is that my parents aren't here, but it's okay. Yeah. I always feel that people share the same sentiments that when they leave South Florida, they're like, why is everybody so nice? Like, they feel like there's an underlying, like, motive. And it's like, no, people in South Florida are just rude. (laughs) People ask me here, because, like, I guess there's a lot of morning talk shows here, and the topic is always Floridians. Like, they always talk bad about people from Florida. And, like, how Miami is a country in itself. People are like, oh, Miami is, like, a third-world country. Miami is not part of, like, the state. Not, not a country, a third-world country. A third-world. And I'm like, what? Well, like, I, I guess, like, it's, it's very different in the sense that, like, it's all Hispanics. Like, you don't see it anywhere else. You don't see people only speaking Spanish in any, anywhere else you go. Yeah. So, like, people are always like, yeah, I heard, like, it's horrible over there. I'm like, it's really not. Miami is beautiful. I love Miami. That's home. But I don't think I'd ever go back. Okay. Has anybody made a comment on your accent? So no. Everything's a white. Really? Yes. So I was in, in clinic with the D4s and they thought I was white. So when they heard me translating in Spanish, because here Spanish is gold. There is a big Hispanic population here. It's mainly Mexicans. Okay. But they, they're very big populations of Hispanics. And so the, like the Mormons, they go out on these missions for two years, the men, and for the women go out on these missions for 18 months. And wherever they go, they don't pick, like they pick for them and they acquire these languages. They learn the language of wherever they're going. And so like a lot of them go to Texas, Mexico and different like, like Central America, South America. So they learn Spanish. And so like, it's not the most common thing to speak Spanish, but a lot of people do. And that's like gold here because of the population of how big it is. They like love when you speak Spanish. So when they heard me, they were like, oh, did you learn that on your mission? I was like, oh, no, no, no. Um, actually, like, I'm Hispanic. They're like, oh, I would have never guessed you look so white. I'm like, oh, cool. I guess I blend in with you guys. But, yeah. I don't think you said in the introduction where you were from. Yeah, from Miami, Florida. I said it. No, um, like, your ethnicity. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I'm from Nicaragua. My whole family's from Nicaragua. I was born in Miami. But every summer, I, my parents shipped me off to Nicaragua. They were like, oh, go, go have fun with your grandparents. We're going to have fun. Here you go. You decide to go. Go have fun. My little brother. yeah oh how's your brother by the way I mean good he's he's in nursing school um he's on the CRNA track oh awesome yeah so he's at west coast and he's loving it perfect oh I'm so happy for him he's still grown up (laughs) that's very true (laughs) okay I'm gonna go into the next question so at what stage in your life did you know you wanted to do dentistry and why so growing up, my mom would always tell me, she's like, I look at your cousins are going to medical school. Don't you want to do that? And for me, the body wasn't something that ever excited me. It wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh yes, medicine, let's go. Like, I don't know. Like I knew I wanted to help people. And I knew that I, I knew I loved having interactions with people. So I was like, what can I do in the healthcare field? Cause I like the healthcare field. So my mom was like, you should be a dentist. Look at your uncle's. So I was like, okay, cool. So I started shadowing. And um, obviously when I got braces, I was like, oh, ortho's awesome. This is what I want to do. It's like, I'm set. 
and I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I stuck with it from, I think like middle school, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. So you have multiple family members that are in the healthcare field? Yes. So all my first cousins from my dad's side, all his three nieces and nephews are all doctors. Oh, wow. Yeah. None of my actual, like, okay, so my mom's family is the one I'm really, really close to. And my dad's side, I'm, I talk to them, but I'm not super close to them. But they're all the doctors. And then my uncle's a doctor. And then my godfather's, both of his brothers are dentists. Okay. And what did you like about ortho that you were like, this is what I want to do? It's just, okay, so like what I explain to people as a dentist is because they're like, oh, they're not real doctors, but they are. So like as a dentist, you're not only a doctor, but you're an artist. So it sounds really cliche, but every single tooth is different. It's like a fingerprint. <laughs> we were just talking about this in class. Everybody's teeth are different. The anatomy more or less is the same, like, but the actual look of a tooth is completely different. So when you go in to do a filling, it's different for every single person. Their bite is going to be different. Everything's different about it. So you're acting as an artist. You're going to educate your patients on oral health. So you're a teacher right there. With orthodontics, it's more of a physics and engineering approach because you're making like a plan and a track of, as to how you're going to change the bite of this person or this patient and what it is you're going to do in order to get them to what they need to, where they need to be bite-wise, occlusion-wise, and if they have any TMJ issues. So right there, that's an engineer. So doctor, which is a you're a doctor, you're an artist, you're a teacher, you're an engineer. Like, it's just all these things. It's such a multifaceted profession. So, I don't know. I think it's like, it doesn't get any more well-rounded than that. Yeah. And, okay, so I kind of want to dive into, like, your journey to dental school. <laughs> yeah. So you, did, oh, <laughs> so you did undergrad at FIU, right? Yes. And what did you major in? Biology. Okay. And then before you uh, did the master's program, did you ever apply to dental school? So, no. I was actually, when I, three weeks before I graduated from FIU, um, I was going through that phase of, like, I haven't taken my DAT. I'm not in the right cycle right now. Like, my cycle had just closed. Okay. So I'm losing a year. So I was, like, going through that in my head, and I was like, should I, should I do a dental assistant course? So I went to Robert Morgan and applied for the dental assistant course. And I was like, let me do that. And then I was like, okay, I don't know what to do. And then I found out I was pregnant the same day I went to Robert Morgan. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I graduated in two weeks from my undergrad. I'm pregnant. And um, I don't know what I'm going to do because like, you can't go to school and have a kid. That's not possible. So yeah, I decided to take my GRE because it would be way easier to study for the GRE than the DAT. Okay. So I took my GRE. I want to say probably like, I was like five months pregnant when I took my GRE. So I had graduated four months prior because I graduated July 31st of 2017 from undergrad and I started my master's in 2018. Okay. So I had a break. I had from like August, I guess. To, so I had like a year off. Okay. So yeah, I graduated from my in 2017. I started in August of 2018 at Barry University for a master's in biomedical science. How was and that? Awesome. Best decision I could have ever, ever made for anybody who needs a GPA boost or hasn't taken their DAT and needs something to like guide them in the right direction, I recommend a master's 5 million percent. It's the best decision I've ever made. You basically do your first year of dental school more or less, or you get, you start like diving in a little on the topics of what you're going to see. Mm -hmm. And these people want to help you. They get to know you on a personal level. I know I wasn't the most outgoing when it came to getting to know my teachers in undergrad. 
I didn't like go up to them and say, hi, you know, I'm Virginia. I want to go to dental school. I'm going to need a letter of rec. Like I want to build a relationship. Nope, not I. So in my master's, every professor knew my name, knew my background, knew everything about me, knew what I wanted to do. And everybody that I was with in school was on the same journey. It's like, nobody was like, I'm going to scratch your eyes out to get here. It was kind of all like, I'm going to help you to get where you want to be because you're going to help me to get where I want to be. Yeah. And so my, my advisors did mock interviews with me. My advisors got in contact with schools for me, with me. Like they were there every step of the way. They helped me with my letters of rec, everything. That's awesome. So it, you had a really positive experience with it and you would recommend it for a hundred percent. I, Oh no, this is what I tell people when I'm like, Oh, you, you're not sure what you want to do. Just go get a master's at Barry, like, or whatever school. Like I know I had the best experience at Barry, but I'm like, it's the best thing you're going to do. They're, they're going to guide you in the right direction, especially if you put in that initiative mm -hmm. to get to know everybody. Yeah. And okay. So how did they help you with the application process when you're deciding to apply to dental school? So, okay. So I, I don't know if medical school has this, but we have statistics. Mm -hmm. We have a stats Google drive sheet that I think was passed on to me. It wasn't from Barry, but I had it. And so like when I went, when my application time came, I had no idea what an application looked like for dental school. I didn't know it was all these 5 million things that I had to write. I didn't know I had to put 743 hours of extra service learning. I did not know any of this. So what Barry did is Barry gave me all the opportunities for a mission trip, which was something huge that I did. They gave me that opportunity. They presented it to me through MedLife. And I took it and I rode with it. And so that was one huge opportunity. They also do the Operation Smiles or Special Olympics. So they've done that too. Um, one of our head advisors, she'll sit there and tell you, okay, so this school, let's look at the statistics. 90% black, you'd be a minority. Do you want to apply here? And so like, they'll be like, oh, okay, look at the averages of DAT for this score. For this school, the average score of the DAT is a 19.5. Oh, you got this. Okay. You could, you, you fall into above average. Do you want to apply there? So we would look at the numbers and crunch and see, okay, or what would be my best fit for me? The schools I got into my advisors were like, okay, do you see yourself living a fast paced lifestyle here in Florida? Could, could you do that with a baby or would you want to go somewhere more up North like Utah where it's more chill? They're more like, okay, they're family based. It's like, everything's about family, family, family. Sundays are your worship days like is that what you want so like they sat there and they combed through everything with me whether it was like what schools I was applying to whether they told me hey I don't think you should apply to that school like you're not gonna apply to Harvard you didn't get a 28 on your DT don't waste your time save your money <laughs> so it was kind of stuff like that um with my personal statement I um my advisor sat with me and she literally nicked at it helped me change everything helped me word things so they sounded a lot better so that was one huge thing. And then just overall, in general, like the mock interview was something huge. Like they sat there, two, two faculty and staff sit with you and they, they pretend to interview you. Mm -hmm. And they sit there and they're like, okay, and these are questions that they, they'll probably ask. This They might not ask. They might not talk about, you should, like they, they give you pointers. They're like, don't lie. If you don't know an answer, just tell them, oh no, I don't know, but I would love to know. Like, would you be able to tell me? Like they, they guide you. So okay. that's how they helped with the application process. How many schools did you apply to and how many schools did you interview at? So I applied to eight dental schools after supplementals. I applied to 11, submitted eight supplementals. I received seven interviews. I only 
took four interviews though. I received the seven and I only accepted four. Okay. And then I got into three schools and I was waitlisted at UF until I moved here. Okay. Then they called me and they were like, would you like it? And I was already here, so. You're like, nah, thanks. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I appreciate you. You snooze, you lose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, I would have appreciated the 150000 intuition, but I was like, I, that's not where I wanted. That's not where my heart was, so. Yeah, and why did you choose Roseman University? everything there so um roseman's based on a 90 percent system so um the way they do things is if you don't get a 90 you fail the class but they have something called remediation so um they'll let you if you if you fail the exam like i just took an exam right now and um within two hours they let us know who passed or failed and if we didn't meet the 90 percent what they do is they let you know and then you have to go and you have to sit with the professor and review all the answers and what you got wrong then they give you the weekend to study. Monday, you come back and you reassess. If you pass that, you pass a block. If you don't, they tag it onto your next block. Okay. And how many times do you have to fail or pass? So it's not a thing about times. It's like, they'll, this is what they've explained to us. They're like, it's not a matter of times of how many times you reassess. Because when you're reassessing, don't look at it as a negative thing. Uh-huh. Because at the end of the day, you're only learning from the experience. What matters to us is that you learn from your mistakes and that you know what you're doing going from here on out. So what they do is I'm pretty sure you can't do it over like five or six times, but how many classes do we have in dental school? Like I'm pretty, it's like 38 credits a semester. That's like, I don't even know. We have so many classes. So they've never told us a set number on anything, but. So mm. what is your, what is your curriculum like? Can you dive a little bit into that since yeah. it's probably very different from medical school? Yeah, yeah. So our curriculum, like, for example, what we started with is, like, um, we start right getting into sim clinic. Like, I know you guys don't touch patients for a really long time, right? Actually, at FSU, we get um, patient encounters in the first, like, week or two. Yeah. Do you really? Of, like, your D1 year? I mean, your, what is it, M1 year? Yeah, in M1 year, we see um, standardized patients. So they're not, like, real patients that, you know, are going to the doctor, but they basically hire like actors um, (laughs) yeah and they give them like scripts depending on what we're seeing in the block and then we practice like history and physical exams on them oh wow okay so like no we we have like patients like come into our school and so um for example i think roseman's probably one of the only schools that lets you see patients this early Uh before the integrated boards because they just switched our boards last year before the integrated board, you would take two steps. You would take like, a, I guess, step one and step two, like I was saying earlier. But for us, it's like you would take your board, your first board and your second board. If you would pass, you would go on. And then you would obviously get your licensure and then do your boards on your fourth year. But now it's just you take one exam on your third year, which it's clinical based and uh-huh. all your classes are integrated into it. So Roseman's curriculum is a little different than most schools. Um, my first I have my calendar for the whole year. So like, for example, I started my first block. I had class Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday was my exam. That was ethics. That was a lot of fun. It was like the nice like icebreaker into dental school. It was like, cool, we got our first (laughs) exam out of the way. Easy, fun. Okay. Then we started dental anatomy, which is rough. Dental anatomy was rough, things that I have never been exposed to. So that was a little difficult. But with dental anatomy, what they do is – um we were learning about the different types of teeth. So every time we'd learn about, we'd have a presentation on, uh, let's say premolars, 
we would go up to clinic and we do a restoration on a premolar. Okay. On a, like on a fake tooth though. It's not a patient. So we would do like a restoration on a fake tooth. And um, it was like, okay, so you're like what you incorporate and what you learn in like class right now, I want you to incorporate that into your preparation. Like how many lobes does this tooth have? What, what, what way do the cusp space? Is it medial? Is it distal? So like they really incorporate what we're learning and they let us do it right away because that's it's proven that that's how you learn better uh-huh and so like the curriculum here is um it's all like one class at a time it's block scheduling and so like for example next i'm going to jump into head and neck anatomy then after that i have biomedical sciences and then i have pharmacology so it's like i'm getting the same classes everybody else is getting i just um i just got all my science classes switched to my third year because that's when we're taking our integrated boards Okay. So my science classes that like the the biochemistry of bone and all that stuff, like oh the matrix formation of the enamel, all that stuff is switched into my third year. Even though we do learn it now, we don't learn it as in depth because in our third year we're gonna see all this and that's what's gonna be on our board. So they're like, okay, we need you guys to know this for the boards, for your integrated boards. So here, this is we're gonna present this to you on your third year. So we do these self assessments every time we do like a sim clinic activity. Um, and the professors will come by, they're all dentists. They'll all come by and they'll be like, okay, so do you know what you did wrong? Tell me what you did right. I want you to grade yourself and tell me what you think you need to fix, what you don't need to fix, what you like about your work. And so like the first year we're like supposed to be like, um, we're, we're supposed to be scoring at um, able to work under direct supervision. Okay. Because they're like directly watching us, they're teaching us, they're showing us how to do it. Um, but by third year, the curriculum, how it's based is like, they want you working under indirect supervision on your own. Like you need to be able to do this because at the end of our first year, we're already doing fillings on patients. Okay. Like my, by December, I'm going to be able to, I'm going to know how to do a filling. Okay. Um, so a lot of D1s have already done a filling, they're D2s and they're already doing filling on patients. So the D2s are in clinic right now and they're acting as primary providers with an, a D4 overseeing them. So like a fourth year is able to see them and oversee them and act as their teacher and the D2s and D3s are doing the work. But um, by D4 year, you're supposed to be able to work completely unsupervised. It's like you're practicing already in your own practice, but under the Roseman University, like law, like yeah. rules, regulations and everything. So four years, right? Yeah. And then you want to specialize in orthodontics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right now with the way ortho is going, it's very competitive. So they want us to do a year of residency. Okay. Which I had no idea existed in dental school. Like I didn't know dentists did residency. I thought that was a medical thing. <laughs> You're like, this is what I was avoiding. But yeah, I was like, I was avoiding all those extra long years. So um, what I think I'm gonna do so far, obviously, I don't, I haven't experienced all the rotations, so I don't know if like I'm 100% set on ortho. It's what mm -hmm. I've always thought I wanted to do. Maybe I fall in love with oral surgery and I'll take it to the MD route and I'll just stick it out another extra six years after I finish my four. But um, so what I would do is I would finish my four years. I would apply for a GPR or uh, I would do a residency. What's a GPR? Sorry. A general practice residency. Okay. So it's like I would be in a hospital. I would be in a hospital seeing like trauma patients for dentistry. Okay. So... I would do that for a year and then I would come back and I would apply for my ortho rotation and I would, that would be an extra three years. Okay. So it'd be four years, then one, then three. Yeah. One, four. Okay. Okay. And years. oh my God, that is very long, but I mean, it's the same. It's very similar to medical school. So it like, is. And 
And when you already graduate as like a dentist, you're already getting paid in some facet, right? So if I go into the practicing world, like if I was just, if I were to say, hey, I'm a general dentist, I got my licensure, I want to go practice, let me go back to the dentist I shadowed in Miami, she'd be like, here you go, here's your contract, I would sign with whatever the mean range is, whatever, whether it's 150, 180, that's what I would be making out. If I do a residency, I'd only be making like 60 to 80, because I'm obviously still learning. Yeah. It's the same thing as medicine, I'm almost positive, right? You don't, I'm still learning, so I'd be making a lot less. And then I, when you're in ortho, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of want to jump. I kind of like skipped over this. But when you were applying to dental school and like doing your master's and you found that you got pregnant, um, how, like, how did you, because I know I saw Adam like in your stories while you were studying. Yeah. So how did you manage? Because there's many you know women trying to pursue their careers and they have a baby or and they and a lot of times this ends up stopping them or you know instills these fears that they can't do it so how did you manage that so honestly i i went through that whole mental breakdown when i first found out because i was like i can't do this i can't have a kid i can't there's no way i can have a kid and go to dental school like what are my parents gonna think like it was all that it was super unconventional i wasn't married I'm Catholic, so it was just like, it was bad. But um, I had like brought it up to my mom and I was like, well, if I got pregnant now, like, I don't know what I would do. And she's like, what do you mean you don't know what you would do? I was like, like, I don't know. And she's like, there's no option. You have a baby and we figure it out one way or another. And I was Did like- you know I, you were pregnant when you said that? Well, I guess like it's a mom. So like, she's like, I, that's when like it clicked for me that you were probably pregnant. But I hadn't come out to her and told her, hey mom, like I'm pregnant. Okay. But I was like dancing around the topic. So um, I remember like when I told her, she's like, oh, that's why you brought that up. And I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, now you have to be someone for this, for this baby that you're about to bring to this world. She's like, it's that much more pressure. Because she's like, as a parent, you want to give your kids everything and more than, than what you've had. And my parents were like, you've had everything. So I don't know where the more is going to come from, but you're going to have to figure it out because you're going to have to be better than us. And you're going to have to be able to give that child everything in your power. And you're going to have to be the best you can be for them. You're going to have to set that example. So then my mom and my my parents were basically like, we're going to be here for you. We're going to help you every step of the way. Whatever you need, we'll help you. And then Trevor had to put his big boy pants on, had to figure it out, had to get a job like overseas to pay for daycare. And um, that's how I did it. Uh, He was in daycare nine to five. Nine to five was my study hours whether it was, okay, I don't have class today, but I'm going to take him either nine to two and I'm going to wake up super early and study all day till two so I can enjoy him from two to eight, two to 10, wherever, whenever he decides to go to bed. And so I was like super strict. If I decided, hey, you know, this, I don't need to go to class because it would take me an hour to get to school every day and an hour to drive back or two hours in traffic. So I was like, is it worth it to go to class today just to listen to the PowerPoint or should I just listen to the recording? So sometimes I'd be like, okay, you know what? I'll take the hit. I'll listen to the recording and I'm going to take the entire day just to study. Or sometimes I would have to give Adam paper and markers and be like, sit next to me and study. And so like, that's his favorite thing. When he comes into our office, he's like, Adam that's his favorite thing. Adam so it's like, I've like taught him. Okay. So this is mommy's time. She needs to study. Like dad will take you to the park or you know what, I'm going to give you my, I'm going to give you an hour now. And when you go to bed, I'm going to take those extra two hours of sleep that I would have 
took that I would have had of sleep. I'm going to sacrifice it to study, to get that studying in. It's a lot of time management, I would say. Because mm-hmm. it's not easy. It's not easy doing it with a kid. But when I was in Miami, I had all the help in the world. I have 5 million cousins who are dying to take care of him and my parents who are right there. Here, I don't know. I guess we just figure it out. It's not, I don't think it's been the worst thing. I don't think it's been hard. Mm-hmm. And I think like I've developed my time management well enough to the point where I'm like, okay, if I really want to see Adam and I want to be with him all night, bath time, reading, I want to read to him the book and I want to pray with him at night and we go to bed, then I need to make sure, okay, I need to hit this and this and this and finish the PowerPoint, finish this lecture and yep. And so it's all time management, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. He's got it so big. I'm so happy for you. I want another one. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here... So in most dental schools, I would be the anomaly and I'd be that person with the kid. Okay. Here, everybody has a kid. I'm not the anomaly. The people that don't have kids are the anomalies. Oh, really? Here, the culture is they get married very young. They have kids very young. They have big families. And so we have 26-year-olds that have four kids in our class. So you're like Trevor. (laughs) (laughs) No, Trevor's harassing me, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to wait because every time I talk to someone, they're like, oh, yeah, I have four kids. It's always a man who tells me this. Okay. so, like, one of my other classmates, um, I'm friends with her. She's a 10-month-old. I have another one who has two twins that are two years old. And we're like, okay, let's get through a D1 year and see how that goes. And then we'll, we'll, we'll have a pack to get pregnant together for the second or third one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't want it to be, like, 12 years apart. Because my brother and I are best friends. And we're only two and a half years apart. Yeah, I feel yeah, that. Because Steven and I are very close. In How age. is he? What does he do with his life? I see him getting on private jets and stuff. <laughs> he's doing really good. You know, he started his own company and he's just thriving. So <laughs> he's good. You know, typical Steven. Um, <laughs> avoiding everything possible to be in corporate America. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But he's really good. Okay, I'm heading into the last question. So if you had two golden nuggets or gems of wisdom, whatever you want to call it, to give to somebody that was pre-dental or pre-health or, you know, a mom that wants to go to dental school and has a kid, got knocked up, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, what, what advice would you give them? Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. You're more capable than you know. And it's like, I feel like we don't know our strength and our abilities until we're put into that situation. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you, if you want something, you're going to be able to achieve it. Just put your mind to it. That was my thing. Like, everybody was like, my family's like, oh, she can't do it. That's so sad. Like, oh, we all thought she was going to make it. And I'll look at her. And look, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stomp on all of you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove you wrong. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to kill it. And you know what? I'm going to specialize so all of you. Your jaws can drop. And I'm, I'm just going to be that much better. And also help others. You don't know how much you benefit from that. By helping others, you don't know what you gain. Like, you genuinely don't understand the, the gaining process of it all. Like, whether it's, like, helping someone study or teaching someone something or mm-hmm. helping someone financially, whatever it is, just do whatever you can and whatever is in your power to help others. And that's all I can really say. <laughs> I love that. That is so good. I oh. wish I had someone to guide me and mentor me when I was going through all this, because I didn't know anybody going to dental school. Yeah. Nicole Sid. Yeah, she's at NYU. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Like, I wish I had someone to guide me through all this. So like, if I could be that person, there was someone that reached out to me from our high school. 
And I gave her all my books, all my study material. I gave it to her. I was like, here, free of charge, take it, all yours. Because if I had someone that did that for me, I think, not that I would have been in a better place, but it's just, I would have had more guidance mm-hmm. and more knowledge on the whole situation. That's something I never had. I did this in, I did this all alone. My parents aren't MDs or DMDs. My parents don't know any of this. Yeah. I mean, they were like, congratulations. I think that's good, right? Yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> great, great, okay. So like, I really wish I had that. So if anybody ever needs anything, like I would say reach out. You never know what you can gain from asking questions. I will definitely send them your way. All the, all the presents, I'm gonna be like, Virginia, I got one for you. Whatever they need, whether it's interview question, help, mock interviews, whatever they need. I'm your girl, I promise. I will help you every step of the way. Awesome, thank you so much. I hope you have a blessed day. Thank you, likewise. I love you. <laughs> it was so good seeing you. Good seeing you too. Bye.